Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products in public. Each week we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins and everything in between. I'm Benedict and I'm feeling relaxed. And I'm Benedicta. Today is September 5th. This is episode number 188 and I am feeling focused. That is true. You... you you showed up late because you were so focused on your code, right? <laughs> so, so focused. I was late. And because I was doing these focus sessions with my, my group and we were doing like 50 minutes breaks and then 50 minute, 50 minutes and then a little break. So we did three of those and that was done. And it was about, I guess, an hour until our scheduled time. And I was just, oh, I'm just going to look a little bit more on this Framer integration code because it's like so long off. And then the next time I look at the clock, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how it happens. But it's usually a good sign because that fe- that that means you've been properly focused, right? So you, yes, like gotten in into the zone. that flow zone, yeah. in the zone. Yes, um, I don't know if I've worked it out but i got working code which is good that's um, at least a good start and also it's just like code. this it's, it's just this recording i feel like it's more like i've missed demos with customer this way <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> i was good. like ooh, they are waiting for me for the past 20 minutes <laughs> uh, yeah that's embarrassing. yeah so i it, yeah, that is, yes, it is very, I've also missed some meetings in the past. Um, and especially because it's like, okay, I'm going to have these focus sessions. We, we, all of us in the focus session, we put our phones into another room mm-hmm. and like we turn off all of the distractions because we're going to do this 50 minutes of like super focused time. Um, and then you kind of forget to turn all of those crutches on again because it's kind of nice. Yes. It's kind of nice yes. with Slack closed and with like your phone in another room and you get into the groove. But then having to then remember to put those back in place when, because things, you know, you have other obligations and, and you need those reminders, the little dings and, and whatnot that, that you kept out of the room. Yeah. Um, For, yeah. Like we're, we are offloading so much uh, stuff into our phones, like calendars and to-do lists and stuff like that. And then we just put them away. So obviously, <laughs> all the notifications and reminders about calendar events and stuff like that are gone, <laughs> which is convenient, but also a problem. <laughs> but that is the problem with the phone being everything. Like I'm getting more and more, I don't know what to do because it's like you need it for those things because that's where it you know, where, yeah, where your reminders are and often where, yeah, important stuff is happening. But then you also have all the crap and it's hard to be able to keep, you know, the needed, the needed parts and not be distracted by the, the other parts. Yeah. Um, Cause it really does help. Like the, the lady that, that runs these focus sessions says that as long as your phone is in their room, you are actually spending precious, like, um, focus brain energy on thinking about the phone. It needs to be out of the room. They've done research. It needs to be out of the room to not distract you. Hmm. If it's next to you, you keep looking at it. And then if you just put it in the room, but like close-ish, 
your brain is still like wondering what's happening over there in the phone, wondering what's happening over there in the phone. So at least the research she cited is that you need to get it out of the room. We don't have any rooms, but I put it in the kitchen area, which is the other side of the house, at least, um, before we can we actually lose that connection where where we're like unconsciously checking the for the phone mm. um, while we're working. Yeah. And one thing I did over the last couple of years is like just being very strict about which apps and which tools and services are allowed to send notifications. And I feel like that removed a lot of the anxiety of like having to check it because unless I unlock it and open an app, I don't, unless it's important, of course, I don't see anything on the home screen and stuff like that. And usually when I work, I have my phone right next to me and I, more often than not i forget to check it <laughs> so maybe we're different because I, yeah. <laughs> I have also turned off all notification i get like ptsd when i'm with people who have their notifications sound on oh. like this summer i would have to ask i was like can you can you please turn off the sound on your phone because we're like sitting yeah. here enjoying you know the summer and it says like ding and I'm like, ding, <laughs> ding yeah ding ding yeah. ding and they're just like sitting there talking i'm like what kind of person are you like aren't you being stressed out by this and they're like oh i'll just read it later but i'm like yeah that's not the point i am getting stressed out yes over your pinging yeah <laughs> i noticed like something s similar -ish. like my parents both are like well prefaced us with i i think since i had my iphone for the last i don't know 15 years or so it's always muted, right? There's like I don't I don't know why there is the switch on the side to switch it from muted to unmuted because if it w was for me, we could just glue it to mute it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my parents, they both have their phones unmuted all the time, and they also come running when it makes a sound. They wherever they are, they come running and check it, <laughs> which is insane to me. Um, it's like a house phone you carry with you. Sort of, yeah. Which is also like, in, like these days, it's a weird concept to me that people can call you and it will just disturb you in whatever you're doing and you'll pick it up and they will talk to you for an hour. <laughs> well, the thing, I, I would have agreed with you and I still, but I have to keep my phone on because of responsibilities in my life now that I can't right. get out of. Which is super annoying because then, especially since the people preface, my mom has Alzheimer and lives with us and has home help. And the home help calls from any number. Like, right. it, it looks like sales calls, but you I cannot, have to take yeah. them in case there is an issue. I don't always take them, but like often it's like important stuff. And often they also call to like discuss future plans and they don't. Right make a meeting they just call you when they have time because they're overworked right. obviously down at the office so they just call you and like oh we think maybe we should up the amount of help or we mm -hmm. think this or that and that happens like synchronously like if you don't yeah. pick up the phone it might be three weeks until they have time to do that right. again and like offer you the more mm. help and that is super annoying because that has really ruined some of my um focus because that, yeah the phone has to be on and then somebody else calls 
or I get these like lost calls from unknown numbers and I have to make time to like call them back and see if this is, and half of the time it's like some call center. Cause when you call back, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's just that like call center vibe where it's like, they just hang up on you or, you know, you can't like call back, but sometimes it's really important. So I'm having a hard time yeah. like figuring out like my new, cause I used to, <laughs> I mean, my mom also, this is the best thing though regarding her Alzheimer's is that she has never ever had her audio or sound on on her phone and she has never ever picked up the phone really because she's like one of us like she was a tech person which is really fortunate now because otherwise she would be like a prime um you know person to call to scam mm -hmm. yeah but she doesn't she still does not pick up her phone because now she she's she actually done it so little the last couple of years that Picking up the phone was one of the first things that she forgot how to do. Like I would sit with her and the phone would like have the not audio because she or the sound was off, but you could see on the screen that somebody was calling and she's like, oh, somebody's calling. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, maybe you should pick it up. She's like, yes, and then nothing <laughs> happened. And then I thought, well, this isn't too bad because, yeah, then I don't yeah. have to worry that she's getting scammed by, you know, one of those um typical scams that um, older people fall for. So True. yeah, there's a good pros and cons of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but it is interesting that she just, that's one of the first time things she forgot. So Benedict, when you, you, you're going to forget how to pick up the phone because you, yeah. you never do it. Yes, that that's, I'm sure that's going to happen eventually. <laughs> So what have you been doing when you've not been vacationing? I have only been vacationing for the last couple of weeks, so nothing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I had a great time on vacation. Overall, I took three weeks off. Um, and within those three weeks, we spent uh, 10, 11 days, something like that, in a camper van uh, doing a trip through Sweden. Um, and we really unplugged, literally. Like uh, <laughs> we we never plugged in the, the camper van to like get electricity. And sometimes where we stopped and and spent the night, there was no cell reception as well. So <laughs> there was no way to check emails. Um, so that was kind of nice. Uh, we enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, but uh, of course, that also meant that uh, a lot of work was left. Uh, undone or like not finished and that's why i'm mostly keeping the last few days uh, basically i'm back to work yes since yesterday and the last two days have been uh, catching up on things uh, working through my email inbox working through my to-do list stuff like that so um are you working yeah. through them or just like marking them and do archive uh i did a lot of like when we had cell reception i did a lot of like email inbox maintenance i guess like i didn't really work on stuff but everything that was not important went to archive right away so yesterday morning my email inbox was only stuff i had to take care of um ah. so yeah that's what i did if i that's don't do that i i just declared bankruptcy <laughs> <laughs> yeah if i don't do that um yeah bankruptcy would probably be the way to go <laughs> yeah um but anyways, um, 
it was a nice was a nice three weeks went over super fast um i feel like the good thing was like in the last couple of days before the end of my vacation i was actually looking forward to coming back to work which i feel like is a good is a good sign then uh yeah you're you're again like excited about the work you're doing and that's i guess that's the purpose about a vacation um how long did you feel like it took you to relax or was it just like day one like, would you have been as relaxed question. if there was no electricity on day one? Would that have been okay? Or did that like feel less and less anxiety inducing as the time went on? That's a good question. I don't I don't I don't know. I can I can't really tell. <laughs> um Yeah, I guess like if there was no uh like no internet for the entire 11 days or whatever i think that would have been anxiety inducing but having to having a way to like at least check in from time to time and see that everything was running smoothly that that helped me not care um well does it mean i didn't care i kind of cared and checked but then seeing that everything was fine allowed me to not worry about it for the rest of the day and we were actually we were hiking a lot and like driving a lot so i literally didn't have the time to pick up my phone and check it for most of this uh, most of the trip so yeah i think it worked out awesome. nicely <laughs> yeah um what was nice though is um that there were actually some problems um but I didn't notice at least some of them because the team uh, handled them on its own. Like Jane and Michael and uh, Leo basically handled all of the customer support. And um, Jane even committed some changes to the code and uh, fixed Ooh. the bug on the front end um, without me realizing. Like I only noticed that. When she told me yesterday, I was like, wait, what? You did what? You, you committed code? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, what happened? Like, and, and checked. And in the end, it was like just typos. Like, uh, uh, two labels were flipped basically and didn't make sense in that order. Mm -hmm. um, but um, Jane and Michael uh, found that through a customer support request, discussed it, decided on a solution together, and then implemented it and shipped it. And I, I didn't And you notice. were hiking. I were I was hiking and I didn't I didn't notice even like I didn't notice the conversation in Slack. I didn't notice the customer support ticket. I literally only found out about this when she told me yesterday. And that's that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I feel like this this merits like one of these stickers that that, that was gonna be on our startup sticker board. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean other it's people doing work and you're not even like noticing like it just got fixed yeah it's it's amazing that's, that's a, i feel like it's similar awesome. to the first uh the first sticker we wanted to do on uh because i i had a similar situation in the past but uh yeah anyways it's uh, long story short it's always exciting if stuff happens without you noticing i guess <laughs> <laughs> um unfortunately um and I'm starting to wonder if this is like a pattern, but like we had one biggish issue while I was on vacation. Um, and it actually happened in the very first few days um, where we had problems with uh, larger broadcasts. 
and um yeah it was super weird like one customer at some point complained that they scheduled a broadcast and it got sent but then looking at the numbers it was basically sent twice so every email was sent two times um to every recipient and obviously that's that's not good um and we had no idea why like it didn't make any sense looking at the code it looked like it was fine like there was no obvious reason why we would send it twice granted there were also no like no protections in there like it was possible to send a broadcast email twice to a recipient um so like the first measure i did on one of the early days of my vacation was like go in and like add some checks that if there's already a message to this user from this broadcast and don't send another one, um, mm -hmm. which at least helped to, <laughs> uh, to not screw up that hard again. Um, but, um, and we thought that like, that's all, like we have no idea what the root cause is, but at least we, we have a way to prevent it from happening. Um, and that was fine. It didn't happen again. But uh, a few days later, the same customer complained um, that one of their broadcasts wasn't sent at all. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you're one... like, we fixed it. <laughs> yeah, we we, and we he fixed didn't send it. anything. <laughs> and then it didn't send anything. But like, broadcasts weren't broken per se. Like other customers didn't have any problems. Even that particular customer didn't have pro uh, problems with all their broadcasts. Like, mm. they have been sending more, and some of them went through fine, but then there was one that sent twice and then one that didn't send at all. And that was... When that happened, I took, like, an entire, well, afternoon out of my vacation and actually started debugging and, like, looking into it. And um, we did some head scratching and researching and stuff like that. And we noticed um, that at the time where the broadcast wasn't, was supposed to be sent, there were connection issues with our Redis database where we uh, basically push mm -hmm. jobs in to, yeah, to, to get them processed and get a broadcast sent out. And... Um, that was like the first clue of what was going on. Um, we then still had, didn't have a good idea of like what the problem was exactly, but we assumed that it was related to maybe the the job that enqueues all the messages, tried to send stuff to Redis and failed and then silently got killed or whatever and wasn't able to retry. Um, but it was hard to reproduce that and actually have like some proof. So what we did also to like not have this affect our customers that that much is uh, we added additional monitoring so when we when we noticed that a broadcast was kind of stuck or like um, attempted to send but didn't actually send for several hours um, we would get an alert and then have a way to look into it and um, but things were fine after that for a couple of days i think almost two weeks and then during the end of my vacation in Sweden, um, we had a broadcast get stuck again. And I started looking into it. And yes, it was properly stuck. Like the the job that was supposed to 
enqueue all the messages was had been run but it didn't it didn't do anything from the looks of it like there were no messages queued so i kicked it off again manually and it then started sending and stuff like that um but that finally gave me a clue of what was happening because then i was actually looking like i was watching what was happening as i kicked it off again and that made it clear that there was a mistake in the way we enqueue those jobs um and it's a little bit hard to explain if you don't like know all the details about how sidekick works and sidekick batches works because that's the 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 tool we're using for this um and basically we were trying to be smart about querying the list of recipients because we know like it's a large broadcast this might be hundreds of thousands of rows that return that are returned for the, from the database of like potential recipients so we were smart about batching like that part of the process when we query the user ids and then i assumed that enqueuing the batches in sidekick would also be like in increments of thousands or something like that um but because we we are using this batch concept in sidekick um and i only found out after reading the documentation again it's like that <laughs> that part where you enqueue the jobs is atomic so what i assumed was that it would just insert a thousand jobs and then continue to the next batch and, and, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, that wasn't happening. Instead, it was like collecting all the jobs in memory and then pushing them all at once, like several thousand of jobs in one request to Redis. And that was apparently And too Redis much. was like, oh no, I can't handle it. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, it, it was... Um, <laughs> Redis definitely got overwhelmed by the amount of data it had to process. And the thing is, most of the time it processed it correctly, but the job on the other side sent the data to Redis and then Redis was doing its job and didn't return in time. Like there was mm. like the job didn't get confirmation that it was properly accepted. So initially, when we sent the broadcast twice, what was happening was there was a timeout it tr it assumed that the work hadn't gone through while it actually was processed. So it retried, did the stuff again, and enqueued it a second time. So that's how we sent it twice. And potentially we could have sent it off more often than that, but uh, all good. And um, looking into it now, it became obvious like that. Collecting all that work in memory and then pushing it in one go just didn't scale. So um, today I finally sat down and implemented a proper solution, and we now make sure that we send work into Redis in smaller batches. And um, I I hope this fixes this issue. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, like. I could have sat down and, and fixed this or like tried to fix this during my vacation. Mm. But because it was only like the band-aids did sort of work for the three mm -hmm. weeks. So I didn't feel like actually like taking a day of, out of my vacation to try and fix this because I know I wouldn't have spent the time and energy and brain cycles on it because in the end, 
I want to take my vacation, right? So I don't want to sit in front of the computer for two or three hours to figure this out mm -hmm. for good. Um, so I delayed it until today, and then today I implemented it. And yeah, I, I fingers crossed. We, we'll see in a couple <laughs> of days, I guess. Um, but it wasn't like it was anything new you'd done right before vacation. So this had been in production no, for a long this, time. This had been in production for a long, long time. And it hasn't been so, a problem up until my vacation. <laughs> or, it, you know, there might have been customers who just haven't or, noticed yeah, and, messed and, and reported it. Or So it feels like when it's like mature decision to be like, okay, we'll just leave it as, you know, or yeah. you did those little band-aids because it's like it's been in production for so long. Is Should I, yes. should that yeah. take my vacation? Like, because it came up right now. Um And I think maybe, I don't know if it was a couple of years ago, maybe you would have done a, had a different, um, I, decided I, uh, to do it yeah. differently. I have had some vacations where I spent an entire night trying to fix stuff, but it was also a more pressing issue. I feel like yeah. this overall, while it sucked and sure it affected this one customer and yes, we screwed up big time, um, at least once with them. They understood. They did. They didn't get super mad with us, um, and now we have a fix in place. Well, I say we have a fix in place, but I'm 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 hopeful uh, that it's fixed. Something broke. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I heard some glass uh, falling down. Yeah, I cracking. heard that too, but it was it was from outside. So it's like, did somebody crash outside? But yeah, I don't know if that even if. If someone it, breaking in somebody's breaking i don't know what well somebody now just walked past with a broken phone but i don't think that was a phone breaking sound so that didn't sound um, like a phone breaking well maybe no. they were listening and decided to smash their phone <laughs> <laughs> or someone like maybe I, someone maybe someone in your house got angry with their phone and threw it out a window that might match That might match, but like there's no windows they could have thrown it out. So I think somebody on this, but it sounded like, you know, like a car, um, the glass that's in front of the lights right, or like yeah. something, something like that. Who knows? That's yeah, what I maybe. get for not closing the window. <laughs> I also thought it was like, it was felt like it was like right where I'm sitting. I was like, where, what did I do? But it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, good, good. I promised. I plead the shaggy defense. <laughs> yeah so um, i don't know as i said i don't know what it is but it feels like why don't these issues always come up in my vacation um and it might be like that these issues come up all the time but they don't annoy me as much when i'm on uh, like when i'm not on vacation yeah i was just gonna say that you uh, fix things on a regular basis probably yeah but it feels like the major stuff always happens on vacation <laughs> Well, Which you know, maybe awesome. the universe just wants you to not have vacation. <laughs> yeah, screw the universe. <laughs> screw the universe. You took a vacation anyway. Good on you. <laughs> See? Yeah. Very, very good that you took the vacation anyhow. Yes, it Anyways. was Anyways. Yeah. I have oh. not had vacation. You did not have vacation. What did you do? I, did. I mean, no, I see, know that's... you recorded an episode with Jeff, and uh, I enjoyed it I quite did. a bit. 
Um, Somebody what, what tweeted me do? that they they want an update in a couple of months. So whenever yeah. you take another vacation, <laughs> I can have Jeff on to talk about how that is going. Um, no, so I'm on the outset side. I am working on integration guides and integration code. So I think I talked about WeWeb and outset our last time we spoke. And I'm done with kind of the integration or not the guide there. And then they now want to create a native integration. So we're going to work a little with, with them. And then that's also interesting because you've been talking about like, you know, Sapier and, and stuff like that. We have a Sapier integration as well, I think. But, you know, everyone does things a little bit differently. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have to really understand the, the other system kind of not just on a surface level, like a little bit deeper to understand like how can this integration happen? Um, but then you don't want to spend too much time like becoming an expert in all of these other tools because there's so many other tools. Um, but I think I did a good job with the WeWeb and Outsetta integration. I think it's a good stepping stone for them to create a native integration because then we've kind of showed how, how this can be a good integration. And then now I'm working with Framer and Outsetta and Framer is basically React components that you configure visually. And that's a little bit of, and we want to be able to just drag on some login and sign up buttons. Mm -hmm. And then adding a script in a React component does not, you know, add it to the head. So then you get like flashes of unstyled because we had this protection. Like if you put the Outsetta script in the head, we can kind of kick you off the whole page. But mm. if that script isn't in place until the component, the answer, yeah. then it's created, then we have an issue because then there will be a flash of content before you'll be able to um, kick somebody off, which is like basically React things that we've seen with React <laughs> when we make React um, applications as well. But there we usually have more control over the head so we can like put things in the head. Yeah. So I'm looking a little bit on how to do that. And and the the users may put content into the head, but we as a code component, I think they call it, the code component cannot put things into the head. So it's like hmm. the integration fields wonk where it's like, oh, drag this onto your beautiful screen, but then also copy paste this code into your head because we can't do that for you. Then we're basically just making boxes or like buttons, um, which they could have made with the regular UI. So I'm trying to figure out a way where this makes sense because we want to be there in their integration, you know, marketplace. We want our logo there. So we need yeah. something, even though I would say the better way of doing it would be with something called code overrides, but you can't distribute code overrides. So then we don't get into the integration. Right. Um, can you thing. can you maybe like do it the 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 bad way and do it in the React component and have a way to detect if the script is in the head. And if it isn't, then yes. you do the stuff. And then you can maybe mention in your documentation, hey, if you want to get rid of that flash, do you, like copy this to this other place and then it's, it's fine. Like basically make the component work sort of, but like not ideal and then just tell them what to do to make it work properly. Yeah. So there's it's something like that that we... Um that we are working on. And I think you are allowed to add little like post-it components or something when you add a code component that is like documentation that comes mm -hmm. into the page with the visual code component that you're dragging on. Mm -hmm. So you can actually get that documentation like as they 
like very much in their face, right. hopefully. So that's all that I'm I'm looking into now. Um, but I managed to make it so that you can choose if you want a sign up button, a profile button, or a login button, um, and then you can override the label, and then you know other things. But then there's also the issue if they drag on like five code components and configure them all differently, we have an issue because like if you <laughs> you know if you configure them to different outside of instances, all of them. Like some, it might work, but like there's some edge cases there that that mm -hmm. is not great. So anyway, but that but it's it's fun, but it's also like especially with Framer, um, which is so visual and very much made for designers. I feel a little bit, or it's like in that sweet spot between designer and coders, I guess. But it's like a different mental model that um, you know you really need to kind. Of, I need to get into that that model to like understand what we can do and how we can do it well. Right. So that's why I got so focused today because I finally like understood some key pieces of framer and hopefully that will make, make it possible to make this um, code component, which is their way of integrating. But I really want them to have plugins like where you could like bundle a code component with some script in the head and some code overrides and like bundle it all together and, and you could like yeah. mix and match these different ways of having code, but they don't offer that yet. So, well, maybe eventually. <laughs> maybe eventually. I hope so. Like sometimes I'm like, WordPress is pretty good. <laughs> 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 it, you know, the the plugin system like really really worked, even though people could make really really bad plugins. Of course, you can always make bad plugins, but yeah. It, um, it let you kind of do anything. Um, so yeah. And then also on this side of work, I just had a little note here where I'm just noticing that, um, AI helping people to code and create stuff is, is not super when you're on the support side because people get very, very far and they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And when they send in support, requests and they've kind of created whole apps i assume they they know how to code but they've they created don't. like a but they don't <laughs> like they created a whole python app and i don't know python but i know you know general coding so i'm like well you'll need to do x y and z and like add this type of code or check if uh, the user is authenticated before you allow them onto the page and stuff like that, like in your code. And they're like, but exactly what code? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know because I haven't written Python in 15 years, but, um, and then it's, so you realize after a couple of back and forth that, you know, that they they have code in an app that they are distributing um, or deploying in some way, but like they have very little knowledge about how the web works or like how, things work around and that's that's fine like we have a lot of no code customers but then you kind of go into it you know knowing that they're not coders but when somebody has deployed a python app like in my head i'm like oh you're a coder and then my my answer is very different than if i right. if you were a webflow user for instance so i have to kind of make some checks with people before <laughs> answering uh to maybe kinda... maybe we need a new category like 
coder, no coder, and AI coder. <laughs> well, at some <laughs> yeah. point, you don't reply with code and like suggest some code, but with a prompt. <laughs> Please yes! tell your AI tool to uh, do this and that, and um, then hopefully it will do the right thing. <laughs> Not a bad idea, because I could, like, if I can phrase it so that they can ask, how do I gate... Uh, or like, how do I make sure only authenticated users will have access to this Python page in Framework X based on a signed token from Outsetta? Mm -hmm. Like, maybe you can get some good code out of that. Maybe, it's Not yeah. a bad point, Benedict. Not a bad point. Like, I could, <laughs> like, pseudocode, pseudo and then I tell them to put it into their AI prompts. Hmm. Could could work, but also could like do something totally wrong, as usual with AI tools. <laughs> I mean, they're basically already doing a bunch of wrong things. So <laughs> as long as it looks like, the, as long as it uh, is perceived as doing the right thing, I think they'll be happy. Um, yeah, that's also yeah. I know that you've also done a lot of support and it is interesting like how um, involved you should get in people's solutions. Yeah, yeah. That's a little bit of a challenge sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, I hear what you're asking, but you shouldn't under no un circumstances do that. But it is possible. But I don't want to yeah. tell you how to do it because you yes. should not do yes. that. Yeah. We had a customer... Um, like for our API to send data into, we have like a secret token that you have to mm -hmm. uh, send with your request. And we had one of our customers, um, they, like like for one, they are not a SaaS, uh, at least in a traditional sense, but a um, an iOS and uh, Mac application, I believe. Um, so th they were also mis already misusing the system, sort of. Mm -hmm. um, and then at some point they pointed out that they are <clears throat> embedding that secret token in all the apps that they deploy and like roll out and send to customers. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, sure, that works, but that's not a good idea. <laughs> because with that token, people can do everything on the API. They can change data and remove data, all of it. Mm -hmm. And I eventually... They, when they realized that, uh, they agreed that it wasn't a good idea. But uh, yeah, sometimes uh, it's not as obvious, I guess. <laughs> no, but I know that this, this whole like authentication piece is really hard. It's And I remember yeah. being very confused by it. And like, why can't I just like send in a comment? Like, and, yeah. you know, and say it's from this user from from just any javascript on your front end it's like well this is not a secure environment and all of that and then and i think it's very um it is it's just it's one of those things it's it's a hard concept and as you, and when you grasp it it's it's quite e like it's quite easy in a way or like when you grasp it it sets like it's not something you forget like you kind of that when the yeah. it, when it clicks it clicks right but it takes a while for it to click and i think you'll have to to experiment and like do maybe multiple apps or multiple demos or multiple like things to make it click. Um, yeah. And not everybody has that possibility because often you only do odd ones. And then if there's, there's no seniors around, then it's, it might, you know, you just solve it and it seems to work. 
and you don't spot the the issues with it. Yeah. Um, so, and it's the same thing with these Sapier integrations because I guess with your Sapier integration too, you'll add. I mean, you add some kind of authentication or like secret in there, and then, like, depending on how they hook that SAP up. Yeah. You know, the secret is safe on Sapier, but the trigger triggering that action on Sapier could come from unsecure sources. Yeah. Or like, even if it's not unsecure, you could just like as well just mess it up. Um, like yes. this happened to us, like to us as a company once with one of our Sapier uh, setups where... <laughs> I think like it was our live uh, live streaming platform, like um, webinar platform that sends a webhook when when it, the thing is finished and like sends over the attendees. And there's two ways of sending the data: one is like individually, and one with everything in one like in one batch. And I think at some point Jane set it up to send everything over, but accidentally chose everything in one batch. <laughs> so. At some point, we sent an email with all the recipients uh, in a two field, uh, mm -hmm. which is not a thing you should do. And I, d I wasn't even aware that our implementation of sending emails allowed that like mm. <laughs> on user list sites. So we fixed that part and then also fixed uh, the, the SAP, obviously. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, things... Uh, yeah, the ways you can screw up without knowing ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And especially when you just add all these like services together and you're like, it works. And if you don't have that experience, it's hard to like, but how can this be misused? Or yeah. like what like what are some edge cases or like how is how is this secure? Like it might not be things that you're asking yourself. And also for some customers, it's like it's not really, you know, sometimes it's not that it's more important that it gets done. And then if somebody is, right. misuses it, it's not a crisis. But sending emails, for instance, like those things yeah. are like, yeah. you don't want to be able to let some malicious actors send like a million uh, emails on a customer's behalf or, yeah. uh, but like updating their preference for swag size. I mean, it's like... Yeah, there's okay. different like levels of uh, <laughs> in those issues. So yes. if you want, like, I have a form that just, like, upstate the swag size preference, then who cares if it's, like, a secure SAP coming in? But but if it ends up triggering an email, like, yeah, that, yeah. you, know, you, you want to make, yeah, make sure. So I'm thinking a lot about that because okay. I really, I want to make like a no code authentication for no coders or something like that. Like really explaining um, simply, hopefully, or not simply necessarily, but like visually and entertainingly mm -hmm. um, kind of goes through some of these concepts so that when you, copy a secret key into your SAP, you kind of understand that, okay, now it's my responsibility that everything that comes into like this action also has the um, authority to do the things it's trying to do and stuff like that. Yeah. But that's that further down the field. Fun. Yeah. It would be a lot of fun to make, but like, you know, sponsor me and I'll make it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, and then I'm also like grappling with the whole Gatsby's dead, Jamstack is dead. Like everybody's mad these days about not mad, but like everybody's like it's all bad, um, and it's not you know it's it's um, and it's not really dead. But you know how Twitter is. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. do I wanna do I wanna still deal with these things? <clears throat> I don't have any answers yet um waiting to see what happens with gatsby um netlify still saying they're gonna support it and they still have a lot of enterprise users on it so if they keep on supporting it for their enterprise users that's kind of good there would still be like interest in content and help and all of that around gatsby but if they're just faking it then <laughs> that's a problem um, <clears throat> That's a problem. And then the and then the interesting thing about the whole Jamstack discussion is that what they did is that they closed their Discord. They closed the Jamstack Discord. And like Jamstack, the word was a marketing term from Netlify years ago. And the Discord is fairly new. So it's more so that they're like closing a free Discord that had, I don't know, like who was supposed to handle that Discord from them. Like it's... I don't know. It it feels like they're yeah they're closing down a forum um, that I guess they did as a marketing attempt. But all that most of the conversation I saw there were like uh, people learning to code, which is you know a valid thing to support people learning to code, but maybe not in a Discord um, run by a company that wants enterprise customers. Yeah. But that it's gotten like a whole story. And then I am seeing now like people are loving on like PHP and MySQL again, like we're coming full circle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been in this like industry long enough that I, I always think about this as a pendulum. Yeah. Like it's basically just like, moving from one thing to the other thing back to the one thing back to the other thing like it's always in motion and um in the end it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what side you're on mm. i think the most important thing is that you don't try to follow the pendulum and just like switch mm -hmm. around all the time just pick what you think is the right approach at this very moment and then stick with it because yes it will not be the hot thing uh, for a while but it will like the pendulum will swing back and suddenly it's the hot thing again so and i feel like javascript isn't going anywhere so that's uh True. i i think i'm gonna stick with javascript even though it would be fun to do php again um but i also feel the kind of whole there was a i in my latest newsletter i shared a video um, and now I don't remember his name, but we'll put it in the show notes where he's like, is Jamstack dead or is it? And then he goes through like the architecture and really nicely explains like, what was it trying to solve? And like, what was the premise in the beginning? And I feel like the last like year and where both Next and Gatsby has been like fighting over who can do server side rendering and then deferred rendering. And they call it all these different things where they're moving things back to rendering on the server. I'm like, this is confusing. Like you were not, this was not what you were supposed to do. You were supposed to generate HTML files and put it on this, you know, CDN somewhere and that's it. And then they started trying to cater to the people who actually wanted something else. And it just became very confusing. Yeah. And I see now with Next, 
that I haven't worked with that much, but where you, and I talked about that, this before, where you have the server code and the client code on the same page. And I'll tell you back to our auth conversation. Mm-hmm. That is, that is not easy. Yeah. For, you know, that like this code is running on the server. So here I can have my secret, but this code is running on the client and it's in the same file. Um, it's it's super confusing and I think it's going to be very, um, yeah, I think we're in a, it's going to be muddled for a long time um, where like, you know, if you've been in the industry really long and you have like very um, good grasp of kind of what we're trying to do with server-side rendering inside of the kind of the Jamstack paradigm, <laughs> paradigm, I think you're fine. But like, if this is how you're learning to create applications, I think it's going to be it's super confusing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I agree. I don't know what to do with it, but it's, it's. Don't like, don't worry. It's just a phase where the pendulum's in the middle again. <laughs> <laughs> it will swing to, um, it probably will swing back to like server side rendered all the time. And then we realize, oh, that isn't always working. Like we need something more dynamic. And it will swing back again. And it's, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not that like if you're going to make a application such as user list, but doing kind of more DevRel type services now where we're like helping people make demos and stuff. People don't want to make demos for the languages nobody are talking about anymore, even right. though I think, though, they should because people are probably searching for it. Like if your company has this like large Ruby thing going, they're not going to suddenly, you know, use your tool with next like that's that's not gonna happen they're gonna use it in their tool same with php same with everything but on the other hand like the numbers are much higher on videos and content that uses kind of these like latest buzzwords so i kind of have to like figure out which ones i want at least like touch on because we see the same thing for um you know at seta as well like people want to use it with and then framework and I need to kind of like look into them. And I've been not looking into Next because I just despise Vercel's marketing and brand. And I'm trying to been trying to stay away, but oh boy, I might have to. Yeah. I might <laughs> I mean I might have to go look at it. You you used to react in the past, and that's by Facebook, so well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and Netlify just fired all of their DevRels, so I shouldn't like them anymore either. So maybe I should just not like any of them, but learn all what of them. What you that. should do is start your own framework, obviously. <laughs> obviously, I should create my own JavaScript <laughs> Gemstack framework. That's obviously what I should do. Yes. I'm definitely going to do that. But on that note, I'm just going to close it out because this is my newest idea because that's what I think is fun. And I want to make mixed pod where you can take episodes from different podcasts and create a new feed, like a mixtape with mixed pod. Oh, interesting. So if your company, a developer tool company, um, you know, would like to see that be made and sponsor me and the pirate family in making it, we would love to talk to you. You should maybe reach out to Transistor. <laughs> this sounds like that might be interesting for them. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? It could be like, it could be for them. It could be one of those kind of side projects where it's like a marketing, it's a marketing for their main product. Right. Yeah. Could be. 
Yeah. But what would be even better is like get tech companies to sponsor me to build it and then sell it to Transistor. <laughs> Ooh, smart. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my dream come true. Um, but we'll see. But I think it's, wouldn't it be fun though? I mean, it didn't have, like you could make like a podcast feed for your friend with like specific episodes on a topic or you could make one for yourself or like, oh, these are the episodes I've guessed, um, been a guest on or I've appeared right. on or these are my favorites or, you know, like you did with a mixtape where you just like copied or you're recorded from the radio usually into a cassette and then you gave it to a friend. Yeah, but there was that... a lot of like labor and love behind that curation. It was, yeah. Yeah, it sounds, sounds interesting. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna think about like copyright and, and stuff like that, but um <laughs> let's assume that's not a problem. Sounds like a good idea. I don't think it is as long as you point back to the original source, because a regular podcast feed is just the RSS feed. So yeah. if you grab whatever is on for that episode and you use that in a new RSS feed. I am thinking it shouldn't be a problem as long as you don't change or remove any of the information that that comes with that with that ep like episode. Maybe I don't I don't know. Because in a way you're like repurposing the content and it like I'm assuming it shows up as a new podcast feed and Yes, it would be a new RSS up, feed. So Yeah. Uh, it's like yeah grayish area but that's but see this is why this is why we're not getting paid users <laughs> right because <laughs> then you can do much more fun stuff anyhow but that's my latest id i just have to always have an id going but i mean very good i have not coded on it but i have bought the domain so nice you cannot well, steal the that's domain always the first folks. step like why the domain always the first step always the first step yeah this got to be a long episode um, yes i'll see you in the uh, Yes, it was nice catching up and uh, see you soon. Bye. See you around the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs>